Good morning to you. Please open your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 3. Perhaps you'd like to just have the Bible open during this teaching time. We'll be referring to the text uh, throughout the message today. Our series is called Follow Me. Mark is all about discipleship. It's all about walking in his steps, follow me. In the ancient world, uh, disciples talked about the dust of the rabbi. The idea was if you wanted to follow, if you wanted to become a disciple of a distinguished teacher, you wanted to get so close to that person that the dust of that person or the dust they kicked up, the dust of their garments would fall on you. You wanted the dust of the rabbi. And that's what we're looking at this morning. What does it mean to be a disciple? Another word for disciple is apprentice, uh, someone who learns the skills and learns the ways. We, when you and I hear the word apprentice, we may, it may sound like Star Wars. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the apprentice of Qui-Gon Jinn, and then he got killed and And then he took on uh, Anakin Skywalker to be his apprentice, and then Anakin became the apprentice of the bad guy. Well, you and I are not Jedi Knights, but we are disciples or apprentices of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does one become a disciple? Or ask this way, who is a true disciple? What's it composed of? Is it a matter of proxemics or genetics? or ecclesiastics, you probably woke up this morning wondering, yeah, what is, is being a true disciple a matter of proxemics? Yeah, thank you for addressing that. I've been wondering about that for quite some time. Very good, I'm glad you're in church today. Let's find out. First of all, proxemics, uh, the crowd. Verses, uh, chapter three, verses seven and Eight. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed. Here they came from Galilee, from Judea, that's down in the south, and Jerusalem, that's in Judea, that's sort of the epicenter, the, the hub of, uh, you know, the Jewish life. From Idumea, that's out in the desert, from beyond the Jordan, that's on the other side over there, from uh, around Tyre and Sidon, that's way up to the northwest today, modern-day Lebanon. And when this great crowd heard that uh, all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. They're coming from everywhere. They're trying to get close, physically close, to Jesus. The word proxemics, as you may have figured out, deals with space, like when we say proximity, same root word. Is being a disciple a matter of being uh, part of the crowd, physically, you know, trying to touch, trying to, it says they're falling on him, they're all over him. Is that what it means to be a disciple? Why are they coming? What's the motive for their coming? Verse 10, here's why they're coming. 
because he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. They have come, they're excited, they're coming from everywhere for, well, what we might call the fringe benefits of being a disciple. Jesus had healed so many people, and they want to get in on the action. And so this miracle worker is is, is doing his stuff and displaying his power throughout the land, and they are coming to him. In the first uh, 10 chapters of Mark, there are 425 verses, and almost exactly half of them deal with miracle stories. This is the, uh, in, in our text, this is the sixth miracle story. We're just in chapter three. Right before our text, you heard it last week, uh, preached on, right before this, he healed somebody, and so they're coming. They're coming. They want him to heal them. They want his power exerted in their behalf. And from this great crowd, Jesus selects 12, uh, verses 13 and 14. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, verse 14, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So from the great crowd, he has selected 12 so that they might be with him and so that he could send them out uh, to preach and to continue his miracle uh, ministry. We're going to come back to those phrases, so that they might be with him and he sent them out. But here at the beginning of our text, we're asking what makes a disciple? Is it a matter of proxemics? And you discern already that the answer is no. Simply following Jesus for the fringe benefits, trying to touch him, just they're, they're all over him. There's no indication here that they have heard or received or they're excited about his teaching. They, I don't know if they have heard him say, to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me. I don't know if they have heard him say, I am going to lay down my life, I am going to serve others, and you want the dust of the rabbi? Okay, going. we're going this way. No, they just want the miracles. Uh, already six miracle stories in three short chapters. They are unaware as you and I are aware, that even for Christians in this life, in this world, something will always be missing. I went to a Christian college, and one year, I think if I remember right, I was a junior, and one of my roommates was a really great guy, and uh, he participated in the life of this Christian uh, university. At, at night, uh, a few rooms in the dormitory would get together. We called that a prayer group. Every night we would get together and pray. And this, my roommate would pray. And on the weekends, he would go out, and uh, we called it doing extension, going out for evangelism or to work with churches. And he'd go out on extension. He was a great guy. After college... 
I had heard from uh, a mutual acquaintance that he had left the faith. He'd actually joined a cult. Now, why is that? Well, I don't know. I lost touch with him. I have not spoken to him face to face. But I will guess he didn't find in his experience of Christianity something that met his emotional needs. He was a a loner, kind of withdrawn. He was kind of socially awkward. And I'm guessing. And in this cult, he found acceptance. I wish he had found that in Christianity. I think there's some fault that needs to lie with us. But I'm calling your attention to the fact of fringe benefits, psychological wholeness. Some people follow Jesus. They claim to be disciples, but they're really out for improved self-esteem or he helps me get friends or he helps me find a husband or a wife. (laughs) The most, uh, you know, overt form of this uh, following Jesus for the fringe benefits is probably the health and wealth gospel. Have you heard of that? The health and wealth. Follow Jesus and he will make you healthy and wealthy. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll be a disciple. Uh, It's not true discipleship. The crowd may be physically close, proxemics, but uh, I'm not sure where their hearts are. All right, what else? What else uh, does Mark show us to answer our question, who is a disciple? Genetics, and of course that means uh, genes and family. This family is talked about in this passage, and with Mark's typical literary skill, he actually gives us a Markan sandwich. This is actually a technical term. I know it sounds kind of goofy, but the scholars talk about the Markan sandwich, meaning he starts a story, in this case about the family, And he will come back to that story and finish up the family. But in between, there's another story. So let's look at the the, uh, the outside part of the story uh, with the family. This is verses uh, 20 and 21. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, They went out to seize him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Then Mark inserts another story. We'll pick that up in a minute. And then jump down to the uh, the outside, the sandwich here, verse uh, 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he said... Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who were sitting there, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. So the question here, who is a disciple, does genetics, in this case literal genetics, being part of the physical family, does that make you a disciple? Well, apparently not. They're standing outside. They're not there sitting and listening to his teaching. They're saying, he's crazy. What's going on? What does he think he's doing here? 
They, they went to seize him. That's a strong word. It, it, it's, in other places, it, it's uh, translated arrest him. <laughs> they came to arrest him. The family did. Now, you and I are not genetically, you know, physically related to Jesus, but I wonder if an application is possible here. Just because your parents are disciples, that's no guarantee that you are or will be a disciple. God has no spiritual grandchildren. Every person must be born again and be a child of God. And if your parents are born again and child of children of God, it's not a guarantee. There's no grandchildren. You have to make your own decision. Every person decides, will I follow Jesus? Will I be a disciple? Or kind of drift along in the, the slipstream of my family? And so genetics is uh, not enough. Now, this is a little bit easy for me to, to say because I didn't have the temptation just to just go along with the family. I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, and my, my family was not a church family, not a, a Bible-believing, you know, not a, a Christian family in that sense. And so I understood uh, that I needed to make a decision there when I was 14 years old. But many of you have been raised in Christian homes. Your experience is more like my wife Liz's experience. She was raised in a very Christian home. They prayed together. She was in the choir uh, at college. She went out on extension, uh, you know, high moral standards. It would have been very easy for Liz to just kind of, you know, go with the flow and this, this is who we are, this is what we do. No, she made a decision and continues to make a decision almost daily. Am I a disciple or am I leaning on someone else's decision? And Liz and many of you have owned your baptism, your decision, your proclamation. I'm going this way. The rabbi's going that way. <laughs> I want to get dusty. I want to follow. So have you decided? Are you an apprentice? Or are you just going with the flow? Family is no guarantee. Number three, it's not a matter of genetics, not a matter of proxemics. What about ecclesiastics? What does that mean? It means being religious. And, uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, so the ecclesiastics, those who, you know, they go to church, they, they read the Bible, they know the, all of this. In our story, it's the scribes, and here's the middle of our Markan uh, sandwich, verses 22 and uh, following. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul. That was one of the local uh, Canaanite gods. It's, a, it's another way of saying Satan. Wow. He is possessed by Satan. Wow. And these are the religious guys. Verse uh, 20. 
three. And um, he called the, uh, and the prince of demons, uh, by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is coming to an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Jesus, of course, is saying, I'm stronger than Satan. I'm the strong man. I first have to bind the strong man, Satan, before I can build the kingdom of God and build my house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Jesus is saying the ecclesiastics, the scribes from Jerusalem, the religious people, they are about as far away from being my disciples as is possible. They are following Satan. They're accusing me of following Satan. They have totally missed the boat. They think that I'm casting out demons and doing all these miracles by the power of Satan. That's blasphemy. And if you hard-heartedly resist the Holy Spirit when he's giving you clear proofs and if you, uh, if you uh, identify these miracles with Satan rather than with God, he said, you are so far away. There, there's no forgiveness. So being a disciple is not a matter of being religious. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will inherit and enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does save if, you know, being religious doesn't save? Reading your Bible and going to church and being nice and attending this and going to camp and doing that. No, 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 no. What does save? What's the, what's the Bible's answer? Faith. Wholehearted allegiance. Becoming an apprentice. Doing what he says to do not all the outward ceremonial stuff. Strike three, who is a disciple. This is what Jesus says. Verses 34 and 35. Looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God, whoever follows me, walk in my steps. Dust of the rabbi, get close. Be an apprentice. That's a true disciple. 
Now, what does he mean when he says whoever does the will of God? That's a, that's a big statement. Does that mean like tell the truth and, you know, be nice to each other and, and pray? And, well, it, it probably means all of that. But in context here, he, he sort of defines what it means to do the will of God. And this goes back to when he called the 12, you know, Peter and James and John and Andrew and all those guys. He called them for what purpose? Here's the phrase I wanted to call your attention to before. This is verse 14. He appointed 12 so that they might be with him and that he might send them out. I think in our context, in our story here, I think that's what it means to be a disciple, that they would be with him, learning from him, hanging out with him, emulating him, and that he might send them out to do his work, to to preach, to teach, to do miracles, to send them out. And so, do you go with him when you go to the movies? Are you following him? Or is that kind of a separate, you know, my entertainment life has nothing to do with it. Does he send you out? Are you conscious of his sending you out when you go to work? I am being sent. I am representing. I'm building the kingdom. Are you with him when you go on a date? This is what it means to do the will of God. Does he send you? Are you conscious of being sent into your school? This is what disciples do. They are with him. He sends them. Do you take him with you? Or do you follow him where he already is when you go to the office, when you go to the gym, when you go to the track, when you go to the boardroom, when you come home from the boardroom, when you go to the airport, when you check into the hotel, Disciples are with him. That's why he appoints 12. He selects 12. Come, be with me, and I will send you out. A number of years ago, a fellow named William Reese uh, wrote a poem, an ironic poem. It's called Three Dollars Worth of God. I would like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough for a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a person from a different race or to pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy not transformation. 
I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack, please. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, if you please. That's the crowd's attitude, perhaps. Just a matter of proxemics, just getting what they want. I don't know if it was the family's attitude. They thought he was out of his mind. It was certainly not the scribes, the ecclesiastics' attitude. No, a disciple, as Jesus defines it, is one who obeys. They are with him. He sends them out. May God help you and me to be with Jesus and on mission with him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us to follow in the steps of our Savior. Help us get the dust of the rabbi on us as we do what he did in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.